Hallelujah. Now, this is part three of the prophetic word the Lord has given me for 2024. When I say has given me, has given me for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And we've got it up on the board here. 2024, progressing, advancing, and we added promotion, experiencing. Well, there it is. They didn't have it on my original card. 2024, progressing, advancing, experiencing promotion, and seeing your highest expectations fulfilled. We've talked about progressing. We've talked about advancing. We talked about uh, somewhat uh, promotion last Sunday. And today we're going to talk about your highest expectations being fulfilled. How many of you have high expectations for 2024? If you don't get some. Amen. And I would encourage you to write them down. Keep them before you. Amen. That's important. We'll discuss that a little later in the message. Highest expectations. I am a man of high expectations. I have high expectations. And I can say this, God has never disappointed me. In fact, most of the time, he has done it in a greater way than how I expected it. But that's God. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or think. Another translation adds, <clears throat> all that we dare ask or think or hope or expect. He is capable and able to do all that we are capable of expecting, praise God. So it shouldn't surprise us if what we expected, God does it even better than that. Can you say amen? amen. I could stand here all day and not completely cover all of the expectations that God has fulfilled in my life. And because of that, it's caused me to become a man of high expectations. I'm always expecting God to do something. Not only that, I'm always expecting him to surprise me in how he goes about doing it. He's the God of surprises. Can you say amen? amen. And so I want to encourage you to listen to the instructions once again that he gave us in order for this to be fulfilled. Progressing, advancing, promotion, highest expectations being fulfilled. Remember the instructions. And, and remember I said to you when the Lord said this to me in the early part of October, he said it with, with some force. And it sounded like to me he was very serious about it. I, I, I think we could compare it to Paul saying, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly. So it's a note of seriousness. And he said, tell the people that if they want to experience progression, advancement, promotion, their highest expectations to be fulfilled, then number one, stay in faith. Stay in faith. Look at your neighbor and say, stay in faith. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be something that we should, you know, tell Christians. But we do need to say it from time to time because some people let go of their faith. And the Bible says in Paul's writings to Timothy that when you let go of your faith, you end up shipwrecked. Or as another translation says, you make a thorough mess of your life. Amen? So we don't want that happening to us. And if it's happened to you before, uh, don't let it happen again. So stay in faith. Don't allow your faith to become inactive as 
Jesus said to Simon one time, don't let your faith become inactive. Stay in your, stay on faith, always believing God, never relaxing your faith. Amen. You know, sometimes we feel like taking a spiritual vacation, particularly when you've been under a lot of pressure, particularly when it looks like, you know, everything uh, around you has fallen apart. You've had to stand and you, and you did your best to do that. You asked the Lord, what I do now? And he said, stand some more. Sometimes you want to say, is anybody else up there? I'd like a second opinion. I've been standing. Well, if you've been standing, then your scripture will just keep standing. Well, how long? Until you don't have to stand anymore. Well, how long does it take for you not have to stand anymore? Until it happens. Well, when's it happen? When you don't have to stand anymore. Well, how long does it take to not stand anymore? When it happens. Well, when will it happen? When you don't have to stand anymore. See, there's no in between there. Did you notice it's having done all to stand, Ephesians chapter six, having done all to stand, stand. You can't squeeze anything between stand, stand. So that means stand. Let your neighbor say, did you get it? Amen. Having done all to stand, stand. Hallelujah. And if you're willing to do that, like Brother Hagin used to say, if you're prepared to stand forever, then it won't take very long. But most Christians are prepared to stand until dark if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to play anymore. No, you can't have that attitude. As you've heard me say before, uh, there have been a few things in my 54 years of living by faith that came immediately. I mean, almost before I could get the amen out of my mouth, it happened. But that's not the norm. Most of the time I've had to stand. And sometimes I stood for weeks. Sometimes I stood for months. Sometimes I stood for years. There have been some occasions where I stood for 20 years before it came to pass, but it came to pass. Hallelujah. And when it did come to pass, it turned out to be right on time. Amen. So, uh, I made the decision 1969 when the Lord said to me, <clears throat> as I read, uh, the scripture, uh, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the Lord said to me that, that morning, continuing is the missing ingredient in your life. You've always been a good starter. You've never been a good finisher. And that was true. I mean, I didn't, I didn't attempt to argue with him. I knew exactly what he was talking about because I was always a good starter, but I wasn't good at, at, at finishing. You know, I was, I was, I'd get inspired. Anybody ever been inspired? You know, I remember, you know, now to appreciate this story, you have to understand I haven't always been the big hunk of a man I am today. <laughs> I used to be little. Okay. <laughs> and I'm talking little and you've heard me say it. I weighed 94 pounds when I graduated from high school. I was little than the girls. There was one girl that I started sixth grade with, and every time she'd see me, her name was Donna Hand. I'll never forget Donna. Every time she'd see me, she'd pick me up. <laughs> hey, little Jerry. I say, Donna, if you don't put me down, we'll slap you. <laughs> and I'd had to get on a stool to do it. She was tall, you know. She embarrassed me so we were in a play together when I was in the sixth grade. And at the end of the play, she was the leading lady, I was the leading man. And at the end of the play, 
She picked me up in front of everybody. Their parents were there, you know. She picked me up in front of everybody, kissed me on the cheek. I said, quietly, where the audience couldn't hear me, Donna, if you ever do that again, I'll whip you. You understand? I'll whip you. (laughs) So I want you to get the picture how little I was, okay? (laughs) So anyway, uh, I remember, I don't know what, what magazine I saw it in. But I had a magazine, I think it was a, it was a hot rod magazine because that's what I was always reading. My dad had automobiles that were published in hot rod magazine in the early 50s. And, and it was probably at the back of a hot rod magazine and there was an article there about Charles Atlas. Anybody remember Charles Atlas? And you know, uh, Charles Atlas and how he got big and strong and everything and you could write and order, you know, the, the, the workout plan that he had. Man, I ordered that plan and I didn't realize you had to have weights and everything to go with it, you know. And so I talked my daddy into getting me some barbells and set them up in my bedroom and, and a bench where I could do bench presses and all that. Oh, I was inspired and I kept at it for two weeks and nothing happened. <laughs> I still was a little skinny runt that I was when I started two weeks before. Anybody ever want just two weeks results? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) New Year's is coming up. You're going to be making New Year's resolutions. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions only to break them within a week? You were inspired. Amen. And then years later, many years later, I was privileged to mentor Dennis Tenorino who was a former Mr. Universe. He would travel with me and we would work out together. And just looking at it, he he gave me a picture when he was competing against Arnold Schwarzenegger. I have it. I have it on my phone. I could show it to you, but I don't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) This man was like this, 22 and a half inch biceps. That's bigger than my thighs. And he's posing, you know, in a, in, a, in a competition for Mr. Universe. And this is the picture he gave me to put on my wall in my gym at home for inspiration. <laughs> and I put it on there. I've got a bit I made, you know, after, you know, the uh, phones came in, iPhones came in. I took a picture of that picture so I could have it on my iPhone, you know. And... Uh, so anyway, he put it in my gym. He came and, and g- developed a program for me that I could do at home and I could do on the road in the room. And most hotels have gyms, you know, small gyms. And it was something you could do even while you're traveling. And he traveled with me and made sure I, I did it correctly and so forth. And it was wonderful. I was inspired. I loved working out with him. And then he went home. And inspiration went with him. (laughs) I saw my inspiration leave on American Airlines headed for Los Angeles, California. So you can be inspired, but inspiration is kind of like a a stove that won't work. You know, you you know it's capable of cooking, but if it won't work, you're not going to get any fire out of it or electricity out of it, and it won't get the end result. Well, inspiration is like that. We know it works, but you have to hold on to it. Yes. 
Amen. So that's what staying in faith is all about. And then number two, he said, remain focused on the promises of God. Remain focused on the promises of God. Now, everybody's focused on something. You're focused on something all the time. It's either what the media is saying, or it's what unbelievers are saying, or it's what unbelieving believers are saying, or it's what the Word of God is saying. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, uh, let your eyes look right on, amen, speaking about his, God's Word, and, and we learn that the eyes and the ears are gateways to the heart. What you see with your eyes, what you hear with your ears gets in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you see, what you hear, you're going to start talking. And there's power in words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. This is all basic faith 101. Okay. So uh, you need to be focused on what the word says. Then number three, don't allow anything that's happening in the world around you to distract you. Don't allow anything that is happening in the world around you to distract you. Distractions are Satan's way of stealing the word out of your heart. And if he can steal the word out of your heart, he can cause your faith to become inactive. So it's very, very important that we not allow ourselves to become distracted with what's happening in the world. Now, if we do these things, then God's promise to us is we'll experience progression, advancement, promotion, and our highest expectations will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. And we're talking about in the year 2024. So I said, what if the Lord comes back in 2024? Then I'll be able to say my highest expectation was fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Either way, I win. Either way, you win. Hallelujah. And the Bible did say, remember Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? So that's what he's going to be looking for in you and me is we're going to be exercising our faith. And I plan to be believing God for the greatest thing I've ever believed him for in all my years of walking with him. He's going to find me in faith. Hallelujah. In fact, on the way up, I'll say, hold on just a minute, Lord. That was about to manifest. Okay, we can go now. <laughs> now, I probably won't be interested in that anymore. I, I'll be so excited about the rapture. Hallelujah. Amen. And I don't know what your plans are, but I'm going out on the first load. Hallelujah. Some people believe they're going to go out mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, I just tell people, I won't argue with them. I don't get in debates with them. You're going to get what you believe for. I'm going to get what I believe for. I'm going out on the first load. And while I'm, while I'm enjoying heaven, if you want to stay here at mid-tribulation, you can have my car, you can have my house, you can have everything I own, but I'm coming back in seven years to get it back, so take care of it. Okay? <laughs> By the way, during the millennium, I will be the governor of the Hawaiian Islands. <laughs> Amen. And if you've never been there, I invite you to come while I'm governor. I'll show you a good time. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. You have your Bibles there? Now, very familiar scripture. We've all heard it before. I've preached it. Justin's preached it. 
Jerry Ann's preached it, Carolyn's preached it, Carla's preached it. You've read it numerous times, but we're going to read it again. Jeremiah chapter 29, talking about highest expectations. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. To give you the end you're expecting. Amen? To give you the end that you are expecting. Now, the message translation says this I know what I'm doing, I have it all planned plans to take care of you, and plans to give you the future you hope for. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Well, we're not quite into 2024, so we can consider it future. And I have have expectations for my future, which includes 2024. Can you say amen? amen? And notice God says, I've got it all worked out. Hallelujah. Well, we can just relax. God's got it all worked out, not relax our faith. But but we don't have to try to make it happen ourselves. Amen. God's got it all worked out. We just stay in faith, continue to trust him. Don't allow anything to distract us. And God says, I will give you the future that you hope for. Now, I don't know what that scripture does for you, but it causes me to have high expectations for my future. Hallelujah. And I won't let anybody talk me out of it. I've had the best try to talk me out of it. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not moved by what they say. I'm moved by what God says. <clears throat> and I've got my faith firmly planted in what the Word of God says about my future. Yeah. Amen. Amen. If you remember, once again, the Spirit of God said to us that 2024 will be a year of progression, advancement, and promotion, and our highest expectations being fulfilled. If you haven't written that down, have, have we got these cards ready for everybody? Okay, this is the, the one that I had that doesn't have it. Yeah, we're ordering new ones. Okay, so we're, we're going to make sure you, everybody at the church here gets one of these so you can keep it before you, Okay. That's what I do every year when I receive the word of the Lord, that I, I have our art department to uh, put it in print and give, her, give everybody one. I keep them in my notebooks. I keep them in my home. I keep them everywhere I'm going to be often, okay? So I can keep it before me. And the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. So when you read it, you can run with it or it will motivate you. And it'll cause you to be single-minded and focused, Amen. So soon we'll have a, uh, one of those for everybody that, who desires to have them. And I strongly encourage you to be one of those who desires to have them. Right. Amen. Praise God. Now let's go to first Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15.
Now, I want to read it from the King James and then from the message translation. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, based on what we read on Jeremiah 29 or from Jeremiah 29, 11, about God is, is, is planning to give us an expected end. He has plans to give us hope for our future. Based on that, let me read how the message translation translates it. Verse 58. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. With all this going for us, what what are we talking about? What is all this going for us? The promise of God. With all this going for us, my dear friends, stand your ground. What does that mean? Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Remember Jesus said in the parable of the sower sows the word in Mark chapter 4, that once the word is sown in a man's heart, a person's heart, Satan comes immediately to steal it. So, you know, and, and, and how he steals it is not just only through ungodly people. There are some Christians that yield themselves to be his vessel. They probably don't mean to. If they knew they were doing it, they probably would refuse to do it but a lot of Christians. I mean, I I very seldom have a believer, I mean, an unbeliever tell me, uh, Brother Jerry, it's not likely that that word will come to pass, progressing, advancing. No, it's unbelieving Christians. Amen? And that that shouldn't even be voiced in the same sentence. Unbelieving Christian? I thought Christians are believers. Well, I'm talking about in the in the full meaning and the sense of the word believe, okay? But some Christians don't believe. Some, some Christians believe the wrong things. That's a better way of saying it, okay? So even close friends who are Christians who don't walk in the same precious faith that you do, don't let them talk you out of it. Amen? Amen? Like you've heard me talk about when Terry's fingers were cut off, when we were just young in the Lord and Carol and I are believing for a miracle, God to restore those fingers. It wasn't worldly people as much as Christians trying to talk us out of it. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't really mean to do that. They were sincere people. They loved God. They thought they were, you know, they were trying to, you know, just, uh, What's a good word? Comfort us, you know, but they were saying the wrong things. Like, we don't know why God did this. Well, God didn't do that. It was the devil. And, and, you know, the Lord must be just teaching you something. God does not use the devil to teach his people. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church, not the devil. Let's try this side of the auditorium. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church, not the devil. Amen. So that, that was designed by Satan to distract us. 
because we were believing that we were going to have a miracle, even though the medical doctor said it was impossible. But he's not final authority. Now, I wasn't arguing about his expertise. He was, as we were told, one of the top plastic surgeons in the state of Louisiana at that time. But we noticed when we walked in his office, he had Buddha statues. And when he said, when I told him, God will restore my baby's fingers, he said, that's impossible. I said, with your God, yes, but not with my God. Buddha can't do things like this, but El Shaddai can. Nothing's impossible with my God. Can you say amen? But I didn't pay any attention to him. He didn't, he didn't have any effect on what I was believing. In fact, the last thing Kenneth Copeland said to me before we took her to get her examined, he said, don't let anybody talk you out of what you're believing. He said, what are you believing? I said, God will restore my baby's finger. Then don't let anybody talk you out of it. And he was the one that encouraged me to take her to the doctor to have him properly examined and dressed because they were cut off at the first joint. You can't leave them exposed like that. And the first thing when we walked in that office, the first thing that was said after he examined them and I said, God will restore my baby's fingers. He said, impossible. And I thought of what brother Copeland said. Don't let anybody talk you out of what you're believing. Don't let anybody talk you out of what you're believing. You know what I'm believing for 2024? Progression, advancement, promotion, highest expectations fulfilled, and nobody can talk me out of it. Nobody can talk me out of it. You beat me in the head with a baseball bat and I'll get up and say, I'm progressing, advancing. (laughs) You're not going to talk me out of it. Hallelujah. Not you, but anybody. I'm, I'm firm. I'm settled. My heart is fixed on this. As Psalm 112 says. So the message translation says, with all this going for us, the promise of God, My dear, dear friends, stand your ground. The Passion Translation says, live your life with unshakable confidence. Live your life with unshakable confidence. How many of you are endeavoring to develop unshakable confidence? If you're not there yet, how do you get there? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. Stay in the word. Keep feeding your spirit faith-filled messages. Amen? and you will develop an unshakable confidence. Hallelujah. So stay in faith, remain focused on the promises of God, and don't allow anything in the world around you to distract you. Amen. Now, you've heard me share this scripture many times in the past, but I I feel a need to remind you of it and how important it is regarding your expectations. So let's go to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. I love the word. Anybody else love the word? I never get tired of studying it. Now look at verse five. My soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. My expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now notice the connection there. When your expectations are from him, you cannot be moved. 
when your expectations come from him, then it's very hard for you to be, to be moved. Satan can't move you. Circumstances can't move you. Negative things happening around you can't move you. So I would say that the key to having expectations fulfilled is make God the source of them so that you're not just coming up with things presumptuously and just assuming things. You know, if you didn't get your expectation from him, then you have no basis or a foundation of it, of it coming to pass. Now, you know, people walk around saying, well, you know, the Bible says we can have what we say. So I'm saying uh, I'm going to be a, a multimillionaire uh, before the end of 2024. Did you get that expectation from him or did you just come up with that yourself? Did God tell you that? Well, I'm going to own a, a multi-dollar, multi-million dollar business and all my debts will be paid off and I'll never have to work again. That's what I'm expecting in 2024. Did God tell you that? then that's presumption and it didn't come from him and don't get upset at the end of 2024 that it didn't come to pass. If your expectation didn't come from him, he's not responsible for making what you thought he was going to do happen. Are you still here? My expectations are from him. Now, if my expectations are for him, that also means because he and his word are one and the same, my expectations come from the word. Amen. There, there's two ways that expectations come to me. My intimate fellowship with him and my intimate fellowship with his word. Amen. Either God speaks directly into my spirit during my quality time with him and gives me what I am to expect or I find it in his word. Amen. <clears throat> but either way, I have a firm foundation for my expectancy. And I'm not just, you know, shooting my mouth off, so to speak. I'm not just going around presuming things. I'm not just going around, you know, uh, just talking things that sound good, but I really don't have any foundation for expecting it to come to pass. Amen. Fred Price had a wonderful sermon years ago and he wrote a book about it. Uh, foolishness and presumption. And, he, and the reason he wrote it is because he had a lot of people in his church that they got a hold of the word of faith and thought, oh, all we have to do, you know, I believe and I, I speak. I believe and I speak. All we have to do is just say it. And then they were being disappointed because it didn't come to pass. And the, what they were saying, they didn't get from God. <clears throat> and that's why he wrote the book on presumption and foolishness. And if you haven't read it, it might be good. You find it. It's probably still in print. Praise God. Wonderful book. So my expectations come from him. He's the source. All of our expectations should be birthed in us through our intimate fellowship with God and with his word. Everybody say birthed. That's, that's what do you remember in, in the book of Genesis? You'll find this phrase. 
Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Well, if you, if you don't know a little bit about the Hebrew word know, that'd be a little confusing. You know, it, it takes more in our English language of just knowing your wife to cause her to conceive. The word know is intimacy. It's, it's really in the Hebrew face to face relationship. And what that was saying was Adam had a face to face relationship with his wife and she conceived. Okay. So that tells me, and, and many times you'll find in the scriptures, David said it often, uh, I will seek his face. I will seek his face. That literally means in the Hebrew, I will seek his presence. And when you're in the presence of God, something happens. He gives birth to a, to a, a, a expectation. Amen. Now the Bible says that uh, uh, we are recreated not by incorruptible seed. I mean, not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. Seed. All birth comes from seed. Do you ever notice talking about birth is referred to as the seed of man? Amen. Stay with me now. The seed of man. That's, that's how conception takes place. Carol and I had a face-to-face relationship and Jerry Ann came. We had a face-to-face relationship and Terry Lynn came. I'd like to say it this way. Carol and I had a face-to-face relationship and a miracle came forth. We had a face-to-face relationship and another miracle came forth. You have face-to-face relationship with God and he deposits the seed of his word into the womb of your spirit and zowie, expectations are birthed. And if you hold fast to them, they come to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I thought I'd get a better shout out of that. Intimate, intimate fellowship with God causes birth of an expectation. Amen. Now let's take a look at Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. This is regarding the birth of Jesus and how that all came about. Look at verse 35. The angel talking to Mary. Yeah, let me get my throat cleared up here. You ought to be, you ought to try preaching every night for months and months and months. See how your throat darts. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke 135. And the angel answered and said unto her, 
the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest overshadow thee. Now that's exactly what happens when you're in intimate fellowship with God. Amen. The, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. You're in intimate fellowship with God. See, a lot of Christians know nothing about this. They just rush in, rush out. Standing in your room with your hands lifted with three hallelujahs does not constitute fellowship with God. Intimacy with God. You know, I don't think Carolyn would appreciate and we're away from each other so much and have been for 54 years because of my assignment, my calling. But I don't think she'd appreciate when I came home that I said, love you, and then off again. That's not, that's not fellowship. Amen. She'd like a, a little more time, a little more I love yous. Are any wives in here like for your husband to tell you they love you often? Has your husband ever said, I told you I loved you when I married you and I meant it and I hadn't changed? I <laughs> won't cut it, guys. They like to hear it often. So does God. Amen. So does God. Hallelujah. Now notice another thing. Verse 17. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now what this angel is telling this young woman in the natural is impossible. That she is going to have a child without the aid of a man. That is impossible in the natural. But the angel assures her with God, nothing is impossible. And then here was the key. Get a hold of this next verse. And Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Underline, highlight that phrase. Be it unto me according to your word. That's what you should be saying about this prophetic word. Because trust me, I do not stand up in front of audiences and say, thus saith the Lord, if I'm not confident and completely sure I've heard from God. I did one time years ago and God interrupted me while I was saying it and said, I didn't say that. I said, well, I thought you did. He said, no, I didn't say that. That's what you think. I said, well, Lord, what do I do now? He said, tell him that was you, not me. I said, well, couldn't I just forget it? Maybe they'll forget it. He said, no. I said, well, what are they going to think of me if I tell them that was just me and not you? He said, they'll think more highly of you for being honest. So I said, folks, what I just said, that was not God. Even though I said, the Lord said this to me. He just said to me, I didn't say that. That's what you wanted me to say, but I didn't say that. And so I'm correcting it. Forgive me. I promise you, I will never say again, the Lord said to me, if I'm not completely sure, that's what he said. And they 
respected me more for being honest, just like the Lord said. So what I'm saying, I don't, I don't just sit down at the 1st of October and come up with some little jingle, some little cute phrase and call it a prophetic word. Everything I have said that the Lord said to me since he put me in the office of a seer, which is part of the prophetic ministry in 1991, everything he said to me since that time that I have received during the month of October, which is the time I set aside to find out what the Lord wants me to tell you about what's on his agenda for the coming new year, it has come to pass in my life and in the life of millions of people around the world. So what I'm saying to you, the Lord said to me by revelation, tell them if they'll stay in faith, if they remain focused on the promises, if they won't allow what's happening in the world to distract them, then their 2024 will be a year of progression, advancement, promotion, and their highest expectations will be fulfilled. And your response should be, be it unto me according to your word. Say it with me. Be it unto me according to your word. Say it again. Be it unto me according to your word. And if you really believe it, lift your hands and give him a good shout. Praise God. Amen. I'm not a novice. I've been at this a long, long time. And I'm not going to stand up and just blur something out of my mouth. No, I have a ministry that is known around the world for integrity. And I'm not going to blow it now here at the end. Okay. So trust me, I've heard from God. And some of it's already happening to me. And I know other people that it's already happening to. So lock into it. Amen. Now, once again, my expectations are from him. The Amplified Bible says, my hope and my expectations are from him. Let me define hope, real Bible hope. Real Bible hope is a favorable and confident expectation. A favorable and a confident expectation. It's also defined as a happy anticipation of something good coming to pass. That's real Bible hope. A favorable and confident expectation and a happy anticipation of something good coming to pass. And that's where Oral Roberts got the phrase, something good is going to happen to you. Hallelujah. Why don't you try that on somebody? Tell them something good is going to happen to you. Hallelujah. Amen. So once again, that's why we should be willing to wait no matter how long it takes as once again, Brother Hagin said, if you're willing to wait forever, if you're willing to stand forever, it won't take very long. So, so develop a mindset that quitting's not an option and it won't take very long. Now, obviously what God says to us doesn't always happen overnight. But listen to what Galatians 6, 9, the apostle Paul says, if you want to turn there regarding harvest time and what he said about that because harvest time is actually something you're expecting. 
Amen. Anybody ever raised on a farm? Anybody ever experienced farm life? But what is harvest time? It's an expectation. Amen. It's expecting what you sowed is coming up. So you could say this, this scripture that we're reading about harvest time certainly applies to expectations because harvest is an expectation. Okay. Now look at Galatians chapter six. And verse nine, be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we fight not. Now the message translation says, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued, which is the same as becoming weary or discouraged. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued at the right time. At the right time. Is that what it says? At the right time. Everybody say, at the right time. time. No farmer goes out, plants his seed, gets up the next day and goes and see if anything happened. And if he doesn't see anything happen, dig up the seed and say, this stuff doesn't work. I'm not going to be a farmer anymore. I'm going to be a mechanic. No, no, no one in their right mind does that. Okay. So he says in the right time, at the right time. Well, I have a, I have a basis for what the right time is for my highest expectation to be fulfilled. 2024. Now, most of the time we don't know, you know, we just have to stay in faith and trust God and not be weary and be willing to wait for as long as it takes, but it's very seldom. God gives us a specific time. God told, told, a Sarah, when he told Abraham and her that she was going to have a child and she laughed because it looked impossible. She was old. Abraham was old. She was barren. She couldn't conceive. It was impossible for them to have a child. So she laughed at that. And, and God said, nothing's impossible with me at the right time. Amen. And, and Certain things happen, we'll discuss a little later. But at the right time, what God said to them did come to pass. It didn't come to pass immediately. In fact, it was several years down the road that it ever came to pass. But that wasn't God's fault, it was Abraham's fault. Because Abraham did what Paul said, he got weary, waiting for that promised child And then Sarah came up with a bright idea. I can't conceive. My handmaiden can. Maybe this is how you're going to have a son. And Abraham said, that's a wonderful idea. (laughs) And Ishmael came. And Paul says in his writing, Ishmael was of the flesh. Isaac was by promise. Amen. Ishmael. Ishmael's are those things that come into our lives when we try to help God. And trust me, you don't want an Ishmael wife. You don't want an Ishmael husband. You don't want an Ishmael car. You don't want to live in an Ishmael house. Because Ishmaels are hard to get rid of. 
In fact, that's the problem we're having right now in the world. Ishmael is still on the scene fighting Israel. And I don't know how politicians expect these people to change. When God calls a group of people having the nature of a wild ass, donkey, then you're not going to civilize them. The only way you're going to get that, that, that spirit off of them is get Jesus on the inside of them. Amen? And that's the problem we're having right now in Israel and with the Hamas. You're looking at people with the nature of a wild ass. I didn't write this, folks. I'm just telling you what it says. Amen? So, notice here, at the right time, at the right time, in due season, as the King James says, at the right time, I've got my heart set on 2024 being the right time for my highest expectations being fulfilled. Is anybody else? Hallelujah. You say, well, what if they don't happen in 2024? Then I'm going to go back to asking the person who says that, did you stay in faith? Were you focused on the promises and did you allow anything in the world to distract you? If, if your highest expectations are not fulfilled, it won't be God's fault. Don't blame me. Isn't this a wonderful sermon? I'm just trying to help you folks. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, be, you know, condemn anybody or anything, but Bible principles work. Settle that once and for all. His word works. His word is truth. The highest form of reality that exists. So if Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, tells us that our highest expectations, if we follow the instructions, will be fulfilled, then I know right time for them, for me, is 2024. And that's what I got my eyes focused on, praise God. And because I'm so focused on it, some of them are already coming to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I said. Anybody got a hallelujah? (laughs) Amen. And then notice the message translation closes with this. If we don't give up or quit. If we don't give up or quit. Amen. So say it once again. Be it unto me according to your word. And then look at somebody and tell them, and quitting is not an option for me. Amen. Now, I suggest you hold fast to these principles. And then before I close today, uh, I want to focus some more on this quality time in the presence of God. Okay. Hebrews 11, 6. The Amplified Bible says... He is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. God rewards people who earnestly and diligently seek him. Now, earnestly and diligently sounds like more than just a few moments. 
on your way out of the house going to work. Now you could have, you could, you could have some earnest and diligent times in your car on the way to work. But to say, yeah, I've spent some time this morning with the Lord. Was it earnestly and diligently? Well, I just said, good morning, Lord. And what revelation did you get out of that? (laughs) Earnestly, diligently. He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seeking. Proverbs 34.10 says, they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Is having your highest expectations fulfilled in 2024 a good thing? Did my mic go off? I'll ask a question. Is having your highest expectations fulfilled in 2024 a good thing? And the Bible says, those that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The Passion Translation says, now remember, uh, the Amplified said uh, uh, in Hebrews eleven six, those who earnestly and diligently seek him. The Amplified Bible or the Passion Translation for Psalm 34, 10 says, those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. So we got earnestly, we got diligently and passionately. Does that describe how you seek the Lord? Or would you describe your seeking the Lord three hallelujahs and a thank you, Jesus, and on your way out? That doesn't sound like earnestly, diligently, and passionately. Well, I don't have time for that, Brother Jerry. Okay, well, just keep living like you're living. It's amazing to me, the creator of the universe didn't create enough time in one day for you. God, you blew it on this 24-hour deal. We need 28. Huh? No. Everything God does is perfect. Amen. Those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Now let's define passionately. With strong feeling and emotion. Intensely. Extreme depth of feeling. Extreme depth of feeling. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, the New International Version says, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. That's another good phrase, with all your heart. With all your heart. How many of us can truly say that we seek God with all our heart? That sounds like more than just a rush in, rush out. That even sounds like more than just 20 minutes on Sunday morning in a church service. Even though our 20 minutes in our church service is great. (laughs) I mean, wasn't a praise and worship time this morning awesome? Hallelujah, you just wanted to bask in it. Well, you don't have to come to a church service to bask in the presence of God. You can do that all by yourself in your prayer closet. Hallelujah. I do it all the time. My hotel rooms, 
One of the first things I do when I move into that room, dear Lord, I've moved in a bunch of them. One of the first things I do is I get out my uh, iPod or iPad and turn on the praise and worship music and just fill the atmosphere with, with worship songs and praise songs. And then I cast every devil out of that room because I don't know what people were doing in there before I moved in. Amen. And then I spend time in the presence of God. I don't just, I don't just uh, check into a hotel and, 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 and just get together, you know, get, get dressed and then rush into a service. I don't ever want to do that. Now, I've been made to do it sometimes, but not by choice, but because like when we were in London earlier this year and we had a meeting and the entire transit system was shut down and everybody, uh, it shut almost the whole city down. And what normally takes about 45 minutes to get to a place where we were going to preach took over two hours to get there. And we didn't show up. The service started at nine. We didn't show up till uh, started at seven. We didn't even get to the building until nine o'clock that evening. And nobody left. I mean, the place was packed out. We had a powerful move of God. But that would not have been my preference. When I walked out of the hotel room and got in the elevator and went downstairs to meet Joe and, and to wait for our ride, I was ready. I'd been in the presence of God. I was ready. I mean, if they'd have said, Brother Jerry, take it now. That'd been like sick him to a bulldog. Hallelujah. But I had to wait two hours in all that traffic, just, just inching forward, you know, and sometimes just sitting for 15 minutes or more before we inched forward. You know, that can be a distraction. But praise God, I know that I had spent quality time in the presence of God before I went downstairs. So that's the reason why I was not distracted by it all. And I was able to stay focused on what God wanted me to say when I got into that service. And when I got there, they turned it over to me and Zal, we did. We have a service. Hallelujah. Amen. So being in the presence of God is more than just, you know, a quick hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See you next time. Those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart and I will be found of you, declares the Lord. Now to seek literally means setting your mind and heart on God. Setting your mind and heart on God. Amen. And one of the quickest ways of doing that is before you ask God anything, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Why? Because it, it allows you to shut your mind down. Bible says when you pray in another tongue, your mind is unfruitful. In other words, you're, you're able to shut, shut out everything around you. And if you pray long enough, then you're going to sense the presence of God. Amen. You're going to sense the presence of God. So it literally means setting the mind and the heart on God. 
It is the, listen to this, it's the conscious fixing or focusing of our minds and our hearts on him and giving him our undivided attention. Amen. Giving him our undivided attention. You know, when God wants to say something serious to you, and I don't know of any time God's not saying something serious to us, you know, then he wants undivided attention. Do, do you, are you that way with your relationship, husbands and wives? When it's something that very important, you want undivided attention. You know, while I'm watching boxing and Carolyn's trying to tell me something important and I'm looking around her, she, she's messing up the fight and she does not have my undivided attention. Amen. Have you ever walked in there and needed to say something important and you saw they were so fixed on this television program and you walked over before you said it, turned it off? What kind of response did you get? You've heard me say this before. I was born with this dimple, but it wasn't as deep until after I married that woman. This is where she grabs me and says, are you paying attention to me, boy? And it's gotten deeper. <laughs> Amen. So God wants undivided attention. When he has his, our undivided attention, that's when he begins to drop expectations into your heart. That's when he births expectations. So getting into God's presence, seeking God is important for all this happening in your life. Amen. It doesn't happen automatically. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19, the Amplified Bible says, set your mind and heart, set your mind and heart to seek, inquire of, and require as your vital necessity, the Lord your God. Listen to that. Set your mind and heart to seek and to inquire of God and to require as your vital necessity. How many of you feel like being in God's presence is a vital necessity? How many of you feel that getting the word, the rhema from God that you need is a vital necessity? If not, then you're, then you're, you're not going to be a passionate you're not going to be earnest. You're not going to be diligent. Because most of the time, it's not likely you're going to hear everything you need to hear with just, you know, a few minutes in, his, in, in endeavoring to get in his presence. It's a process. Seek, set your mind and heart to seek, to inquire of. And while you're inquiring, you don't do all the talking. That might be the best revelation you got all morning. Just shut up and listen to God. Most of the time people spend all their prayer time telling God what they need and never inquiring of him. And he'll tell you what you need. Amen. Inquire of, and then require as your vital necessity, the Lord, your God. The message translation says, Make yourselves do this heart and soul. Give yourselves heart and soul rather. So obviously this isn't just a quick thing 
run in, run out kind of situation. Nor is it just reading a couple of verses and never taking the time to meditate them. That's, that's not how expectations from him are birthed in your heart. Everybody say this with me. Quality time is the key. Amen. That's how God drops divine truths into our heart. That's how uh, revelations are dropped in our heart. That's how what he, his expectations for us are dropped in our heart. Amen. When it happens, then nothing can uproot them out of you. Nothing can take them out of you. You have confidence and you're assured that God will make happen for you exactly what he promised. Amen. I wrote this in my notes. The one who always enjoys the fulfillment of what God has promised is the one who has spent quality time in his presence and knows that he knows that God cannot and will not lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a few more minutes. You got time? Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter four. Are you receiving today? I'm speaking from experience. I've done what you shouldn't do and now do what you should do. (laughs) Romans chapter four and look at verse three. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now underline that phrase or highlight that phrase. Abraham believed God. How many of you believe God? Well, if you believe God, then you believe his word. Amen. I love how the message translation says this. Listen to this. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that was the turning point. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that became his turning point. Now you have to remember, before Paul writes this revelation, he received about God's dealing with Abraham. Before we read what Paul says about it, Abraham was not always like the way Paul talks, even though God calls him the father of faith. But the father of faith blew it in the early days. Ishmael was not the will of God. But Abraham decided to help God because in the natural, he couldn't see what God was saying, how it could ever come to pass. But now, Something happened to Abraham. Between Genesis 12 and Genesis 17, something happened. Now between Genesis 12 and Genesis chapter 17, we find Ishmael is born. And you will find after Ishmael was born, if you study your Bible closely, God did not speak to Abraham again for 13 years. How'd you like to go 13 years without hearing the voice of God? But then Genesis 17, verse one, and when Abram was 99 and nine, 90 and nine, God appeared to him. 
and said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And that actually was not implying a pleasant conversation. It was a rebuke. And I hear God saying, and that's what the Lord said to me years ago. What God was saying to Abraham was, Abraham, I don't need your help. All I need is your faith. I don't need your help. All I need is your faith. I am the almighty God. Now just, just walk before me and trust me in what I said, and I will bring it to pass for you. Amen. Amen. If you'd have listened to me and trusted me, we wouldn't have an Ishmael. If we listen to God and trust him, we wouldn't have all of our mistakes. We wouldn't have to say, God, I blew it and then have to start over again. We'd do it God's way the first time. Okay. So look at verse 19 of Romans chapter four. Abraham, let me back up. Abraham entered into what God was doing for him. And that was the turning point. Now, when did this turning point come? When he was about a hundred years old. So this description that we're about to read of Abraham did not apply to him at 85 years old. Not at 75 years old, but at 99 years old. Something happened to him at 99 years old. What? You could say it this way. He got in the presence of God intimately, passionately, earnestly, and something was birthed in him. Expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, look at verse uh, 18. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. What is God saying? He's reminding Abraham of what he said to him when he first introduced himself to him in Genesis 12. So shall thy seed be. He's reminding him of it. And being not, notice this, at 99 now, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice, he did consider those things at 85, but he's not considering it now. Why? He had a visitation of the Lord. He got in the presence of God. God birthed something in him. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And now he's fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You don't get that way with a few hallelujahs and a thank you, Jesus, and on your way out. It's getting in intimate fellowship with God, earnestly, diligently, passionate fellowship. And that's when what God wants, his expectations for your future are dropped in you. And then nobody can get it out of you. Nobody can take it away from you. You are fully persuaded that what God has promised, he will perform. I am fully persuaded my 2024 will be a year. My highest expectations will be fulfilled. Does anybody else believe it? Praise God. 
Give the Lord your best shout then. And if you're not there yet, then my suggestion is quality time in his presence. Quality time in his presence. Amen. This happened to Abraham. And look at verse 12 of Romans chapter four. The latter part of it says that we're to walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. In other words, we are to follow his example. Follow his example. Hallelujah. What God did in causing Abraham's highest expectations to come to pass, he can cause to happen to you. So what are you expecting God to do in 2024? What are you expecting God to do in 2024? Write it down. Write it down. That's scriptural. Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you want to say it. Chapter two and verse two, write the vision, make it plain. It's a proven fact that people that take the time to write their goals, their visions, their objectives are more apt to see them come to pass than people who don't bother writing them down. Amen. Amen. Write the vision. What are you? Put it at the top of it. This is what I'm expecting God to do in 2024. And then list it. Keep it before you. The Bible says, even if it tarries, wait for it. For it will come to pass. Hallelujah. I could have been an attorney. I rest my case. <laughs>